it's not something you just improvise you know we look like we're crazy people but we calculate everything we train a lot before we jump on snow excellence is about spin and excellence is a requirement for your dream Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, I have the opportunity to talk with Marion Tenot, a young aerial skier from Quebec. And honestly, I was blown away by her spirit, her determination, and her self-consciousness. She is 22 in the world top three in aerial skiing, studies aerospace at Concordia University, and she's planning on being one of the first carbon-neutral athletes thanks to a partnership with WSP. She landed quite late in aerial skiing, so her first memory in the sport is quite vivid. I actually started pretty late, later than people do usually. I was 17 when I first interacted with the world of aerials. I would say my first core memory is my very first jump um, on water. In the summer, we train in a pool and I did my first trade air. So we were literally just turning my skis, going down and making it to the water. And I remember my coach at the time told me, look forward. And I was like, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward. And the second I left the jump, I looked at the water and face planted. Wow. <laughs> That was my first jump and, and then I never looked back apparently. Okay, so how old were you at that time? I was 17. And you're today? I'm, not, I'm now 22. So okay, it's only been so it's, five it's years. pretty recent. So <laughs> I've read that you were in gym, gymnastics before? Yes. Okay, and how did you, so when did you start gymnastics and how did you end up, uh, you know, jumping on skis yeah um i was a gymnast for basically my whole life both my parents were in sports and my mom was involved with uh, gymnastics so i started when i was like a, a baby three years old and then i evolved into sport and it became my passion and my obsession i would even say and when i finished high school around 17 i didn't know if i wanted to pursue gymnastics again i didn't know if i had a lot left to give to the sport. So I did RBC Training Ground. I don't know if you know about it. It's a program that identifies talents for various sports. And if they think you have potential in sport, they're going to fund your journey in that new sport. So I was recruited in aerials at an RBC Training Ground camp in Sherbrooke, my hometown. And then I started aerials at 17. And four years later, I was at the Olympics. That's awesome. So are there like similarities between gymnastics and aerial skiing or how, I mean, you don't just say, hey, you should do aerial skiing. I guess you must have uh, common skills or something. How did they figure this out? Um, they were looking for acrobats. So um, aerials is a lot of flips. It's a lot of twists. It's a lot of knowing where you are in the air. So almost all of the people I compete against were former gymnasts or former trampolinists or divers. So that's really what they're looking for. And even when I was recruited, I told the person that recruited me that is now one of my very good friends, um, well, I, I'm not a skier. And he was like, oh, that's not a problem. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> But then from my acrobatic background, I learned how to ski and then I combined both to become an aerialist. Amazing. So you're 17. You're in school already. Then someone tells you you should do this. You go that jump. You look uh, down. Then you crash. What's the, your next thought after that? 
So after that jump, well, I went again because it's it was totally new for me, and I think that that is what was really exciting because I love the gymnastics, but it was the same thing, you know. Every day for my whole elementary school and my whole high school, I woke up every morning, went to the gym, went to school, and it was the same thing. And I think trying a completely different sport in a new environment was just so thrilling for me. So. I, when I finished that day, I just wanted to go again. You know, it was so many new emotions and I was like a beginner again in the sport, but I had a lot of skills and I was already training like a high level athlete. So I went again that summer, did another week on water ramp. And at the end of the summer, I was like, this is what I want to do. So I started training part time and then the winter I started training full time. I moved from my parents' house in Sherbrooke and went and learned how to ski <laughs> okay so, so yeah you trained for a whole summer jumping in a pool pretty much which is quote-unquote not dangerous what does it feel that first i guess winter jump on real ice and oh, ice snow um yeah what is it like how long does it take before you kind of feel comfortable doing this i mean it's not necessarily you it's also your your, uh, your coach and and probably different people uh but yeah how does that feel that first official jump when you land on your skis not in the water Um, it's crazy, honestly, it's, it's so much fun, <laughs> but, um, I mean, for me, it, I did my first jump on water in 2017 and I did my first jump on snow November, 2018. So like a year and a half. Okay. It's not something you just improvise, you know, we look like we're crazy people, <laughs> but we calculate everything and we don't let any variables left, like Um, we train a lot before we jump on snow. So for my first whole winter, it was just about skiing, just about um, learning a bit what the community like. I was doing trampoline as well. And then I did a whole summer of water ramping where I did like seven to nine hundred jumps. Okay. And then my very first jump on snow was actually in Finland. They brought me to the the training camp there and I was kind of surprised because I was such a beginner but I think they saw from the beginning a lot of potential in me so they gave me beautiful opportunities from the get-go and I think that's something that I'm very grateful for but definitely had a large part in my success in the following years but yeah my first jump on snow was in Ruka Finland and I remember my coach at the time waited for everyone to be gone so I didn't like have the pressure mm -hmm. of like everybody's gonna laugh if I fall Uh, but yeah I did my first flip as soon as I turned my skis like my body knew how to do it because I did it so many times on the water and then I landed and everybody cheered and it was great <laughs> that's awesome how, how different is it from uh, jumping like, into the water and uh, jumping this, the, on the snow is it just the landing or is it the whole stuff is different because at the end what you learn on, on the water is I guess starting then the jump itself then in theory how you land but you end up in the water what's different when you actually get onto the onto the snow well main part is obviously the landing but it's more mental like when you're on the water you know that you can you can fall on your yeah. head and you're gonna be fine you know <laughs> uh, as on uh, where uh, as on snow this is not the case so i think there's a lot of a mental aspect on jumping on snow 
Um, and also is the conditions. On water, it's always the same thing. It's the same jump. Mm -hmm. It's the same conditions every time. Nothing changes. On snow, every jump is different. You can have wind. You can have snow. The shape of the jump changes throughout the day because it's soft. It's snow, mm -hmm. you know. And the landing can change. So there's a lot of new variables. So jumping on snow is much harder, but much more gratifying as well. When you land a very good jump, uh, it's a feeling that is uh, not the same as when you do a nice jump on water. Mm -hmm. But mechanically, technically, it's the same thing. If you're like really good, you're able to jump as well on snow as you do on water. But that's not the case of a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you probably train on a very specific figure whatever a hundred times in the water before doing it the first time uh on snow right yeah most okay. of the time i've done it hundreds of times on the water ramp as you grow in degree of difficulty sometimes you cannot do as much on water because it's a lot of strain on your body you know so mm -hmm. as you go you do maybe a less reps but you're gonna do more difficulty but we all we've always done the jump on water before doing it on snow okay perfect so if we just track back just a little would you explain what aerial skiing is for dummies let's say i'm 10 years old and assume i'm really 10 years old because i don't know so much about aerial skiing except what i was able to read so if you had like a one one and a half minute crash course that you could give so that the listeners understand what what you actually do and you know how you're ranked what your schedule is like and all this so Let's say one and a half minute, but after that, I have follow-up questions, so you can, you know, explain Sweet. more. Well, aerial skiing is about doing the most difficult jump, but as pretty as possible, basically. So we do flips and twists. We don't go far. I know a lot of people confuse these two types of ski jumping. Mm -hmm. We do freestyle skiing. So we go off kickers that are about two to three meters high and we go to about 10 to 14 meters off the ground maybe sometimes even more and uh, we land on the landing hill we arrive in these jumps for doubles so two backflips uh, we arrive at around 55 kilometers an hour and for triples around 60 to 65 kilometers an hour and uh, yeah it's about doing the most difficult jump so as many twists as you can do in your flips. And we are judged on height, distance, takeoff, landing, and form in the air. So are your skis together? Do you have a nice body line? Do you know where you are? Are your twists well separated? There's a lot of technicality to it. But basically, do the coolest jumps you can and land on your skis. <laughs> That's awesome. So you have to announce before you jump which jump you want to do. Is that correct? Yes, you okay. can change up to the last minute, but when you go, you told your jump and you cannot do a different jump because otherwise you, you get disqualified. Okay. But not disqualified, but like you don't get a score. Okay, and then they they kind of rate every single point that you mentioned and they use a coefficient of how hard the jump is in theory and then it gives you kind of your final score. Is that correct? Yeah, so there's five judges giving execution scores on 10 three points for landing five points for air and form and two points for um takeoff and air and the best score and the lowest score are going to be scratched so that gives you a raw score on mm -hmm. 30 and the raw score on 30 is going to be multiplied by the degree of difficulty of your jump and that's how we get we get okay. our scores okay and do they remove the the highest and the lowest just in case whatever judge has bias or something like that and it's right it's kind of fair i mean the go the jump goes really fast so judges do make mistakes sometimes and it's normal i mean it goes so fast so i think it's just to have 
kind of the average, you know, like take out the extremes to be sure that in average, everybody agreed on okay. the quality of the jump. <laughs> okay, that's that's awesome. Um, and do you feel personally when you jump and when you land, do you know pretty much the rate or the, 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 rank, the rank that you'll have? Or do you just do your stuff, you land and you're like, just whatever, I'll see what they give me? I mean, I have a pretty good idea because I mean, I've watched a lot of jumps mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of scores given. So now when I land, I have an idea of the score I'm going to get. Sometimes I'm surprised uh, because it's higher than I thought or lower than I thought. I It happens in both ways, but I'm usually in a very good range. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so looking back again on more on the, the career side, I would say you started 17, you're 22, you already went to the Olympics. What's your... What's your mindset on your career in general and what is your no top goal, I would say, moving forward? Um, I mean, I'm proud of what I did in the past four years. I think f as an outsider or like outside perspective, it looks very quick and it looks uh, um, maybe uh, weird almost. But for us with my team, I felt like I knew what I was capable of doing and everything I did, everything I accomplished, I planned for. So what I'm looking forward for the next few years is really uh, increasing my degree of difficulty. There is not a lot of women in the world that do triples, so triple backflips. Mm -hmm. It's off a bigger kicker. Um, on the World Cup tour, almost all the men do. And uh, right now in the world, there's maybe two girls that do it on a regular basis. So I want to increase my degree of difficulty and go do triples because that's what... Uh, gives you Olympic medals. <laughs> okay, so at the end of the day, if you do a triple because your coefficient of difficulty is higher, if your jump is, let's say, fair, then you have much more chance to end up at the top of the ranking. Because if you do only, again, quote-unquote, I'm yes. a drawing <laughs> air quote, um, if you only do a double, then even if your jump is perfect, someone who does a triple might just beat you even if his jump is not perfect. Yeah, you can say it like this. Like, there's a difficulty advantage for sure. Um, if you do a very nice triple, it's going to beat a very nice double for sure. If you do an average triple, it's going to depend. You know, mm -hmm. there's a difference in degree of difficulty, but it's not that high. Um, but I really want to do it for me. I think I know I have it in me and I know I can do it. And I, I want to push myself and see where that gets me. So... I mean, I'm having a nice career so far and I've not done triples on, on snow. I've done them on water only. And technically, I wouldn't need to do triples mm -hmm. to be in the top three in the world like I currently am. But I really want to do it because I know I can. I feel like I can. And I want to see where it gets me, you know. It's yeah. more about personal achievement. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a mindset. Uh, I was about to say, like, you know you can pretty much whatever. Let's knock on wood, become a, an Olympic medalist or, or champion, but you just want personally to get to the triple because you know you're capable of and it's kind of your own personal objective. Yeah, it, it, I just want to reach my full potential. And I, I think, yes, it's about the medals. And of course, like getting an Olympic medal is cool. Like it's, it really is. But you, you don't wear it around your neck all day? No, no, no you don't. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but the real true satisfaction comes from... Uh, what you accomplish and like you know how hard it was so i'm like looking forward to what it's gonna take for me to compete triples and 
be consistent with them because it's something to do triples. It's another thing to compete them all the time and mm -hmm. win, you know. So I know it's going to take a lot out of me and I know I'm going to learn a lot from it. And that's what I enjoy too is the process, even if sometimes it's not easy. Um, I get a lot of pride and satisfaction of, of on overcoming things. Mm -hmm. So you said you have personal goals and achievements that you want to reach. Um, but there, there is like a schedule, like a World Cup schedule. There is an Olympic schedule. What does it look like for you? What's your, I would say, what's a year like for you now? Because you're still studying. How do you manage to do everything? You mentioned, of course, skiing, then studying, then side projects. I mean, you need to prioritize sports for now. You know, you're young and that's the moment when you can beat the records. Uh, but how do you manage to keep that overachieving mindset with sports and also make sure that you still have, you know, a life and your family and your studies and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's a balance. And I think for whatever you do in this world, I feel like it always comes down to this. Like, I need to find a balance that works for me. Uh, the World Cup schedule is, I mean, it's very intense in the winter. We have um, between six and eight World Cups of winter, plus sometimes World Championships and Olympics every four years, of course. So that is a very intense season, of course, and it's um, very stressful mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because you want to do well in competition, but it, jumping is also in itself uh, scary, you know? So that takes a lot. Uh, and then in the summer, we train full-time too to make our jumps uh, better and increase our degree of difficulty. And in the in-between season, so spring and uh, fall are the season where we go to the gym. I mean, yeah. we always go to the gym, but these are the seasons we really get in shape, uh, work out every day, try to increase our strength. And that's where we're going to take care of um, injuries or prevent injuries. You know, there's things I know how my body works now. So I know how to prevent some injuries and to take care of some others. So that I'm training all year long. I mean, we're talking the, this week is like one of the only weeks off I have. But uh, it's totally off training now because I just came back from mm -hmm. the last World Cup of the season. And then school follows a different schedule. Um, I take uh, only one class in the winter because um, it's not that I don't have the time. It's like I just don't have the energy yeah. <laughs> to put it in there. But in the summer, I take more classes and in the fall. So I end up doing... I don't know, five to six classes a year, okay. which is not a lot, but better than nothing, you know. It's quite ins insane. <laughs> It still is. Uh, so do you tra train in, in Montreal or in, in Quebec um, in the in the summer? Uh, the training center is in uh, is in Quebec. Okay. I live in Quebec. I live in Stoneham actually, uh, but um, right now it's getting rebuilt. So we traveled a lot to the U.S. Uh, in the past few years to have access to a nice training facility there. Mm -hmm. uh, this year, we're going to try to build a temporary one so we could stay in Quebec uh, this summer. But I I'm not, I don't know if it's going to work yet. But uh, the training center is in Quebec. Um, that's where all my team is, you know, coaches, um, physios, uh, physical preparators. And on my part, since I study in Concordia, uh, for one of the summer semesters, I moved to Montreal and I train on my own. Uh, at the INS here to have a really good training center and for the rest I just train with my team and do my school kind of online just reading through the material on my own and try to catch up wow <laughs> um so how is your season plan do you plan your own season well, I mean there there is a calendar with 
events and everything. So do you choose which one you go to or do you have to go to all of them in order to be ranked the highest on the World Cup? Who is kind of building the agenda? You're super young and you seem to be like on top of your stuff. Uh, but yeah, how do you how do you do that? Um, my coach is basically telling me what my schedule is going to be. Uh, we want to do every competition that we can. I mean, uh, we do all World Cups uh, because, of course, the ranking is something that we're looking at. Um, we do Worlds as well. Um, sometimes there's some decisions, like if there's like easier, not, not easier, but like lower level comps, sometimes in the region we are at, sometimes we're going to stay and use it as training or not is really... Uh, depend on every individual and he treats all of us differently depending on our needs but I try to have him send me the schedule early so I can plan school in consequence because I have other engagements you know I have school but I also have like a work that I do with some of my sponsors or stuff so I want to be able to know in advance and kind of mm -hmm. see what it looks like but I'm usually pretty busy so it's <laughs> sometimes hard to uh, to find the time but If it's important to me, I'll make some space for it and I'll plan in consequence. So I'll take a note on that because it's right now 6.20 p.m. on a Saturday. And you were like, when we were exchanging my email, you're like, so I'm here on Saturday. I have a whole event all day. And so we can meet either before 8 a.m. or after 5 p.m. <laughs> like, Who does that? <laughs> like, I personally, I do. And very few people do. So, yeah, you're on top of your stuff. You seem to grind it out. And I mean, it's not a... A surprise if you got to where you got i assume uh you know things don't come don't fall from the sky um so that, that's yeah amazing how how do you so you said your coach and your entourage is kind of uh, planning your season and everything are you a professional are you considered a professional no. no are there professionals in the sport in aerial skiing and that brings up to the, the the next question which is how do you kind of fund the that stuff because you you went to kazakhstan i guess a few weeks ago then you're going to go through you know every single country where events are um i know there are a few uh programs across canada i think one is on the podium the other one is can fund you probably you know use all those programs so how does that work and and is that something that takes let's say brain space for you or do you have people you know, taking care of it so that you can live off the the sport So that really depends on everyone. Um, I am personally um, in a very, uh, I'm, I'm good where, where, where I'm at right now. We are not professionals at Aerial Skier. It's amateur sport. So it's not funded like professional sport at all. Um, we are very lucky in Canada because we have uh, Sports Canada that, it, that if you uh, obtain a certain ranking or uh, obtain some results, they're going to fund you. So we are funded by Sports Canada uh, every year. They decide who's going to get funded and who's not, depending on results and how we've been doing. So I've I've been funded by Sports Canada for a few years now. So that is, of course, really helpful. And then within the team, we also have like kind of a ranking on if you do well, you uh, obtain certain uh, services from the team. So that also helps a lot. And then... Of course, uh, sponsors are important as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've taken very seriously, I would say, because I wanted sponsors that really represented who I was. I didn't want to just do like ads. So uh, in my search from sponsors after the Olympics and even before I had some opportunities, they're really important for me. And I'm really proud of the ones I have. Um, I worked with RBC for a very long time. 
they are the one that recruited me yeah. so they funded all the beginning of my career and then after uh, they recruited me as an rbc olympian so i do stuff for them i promote rbc training ground and do work for them and i'm uh, really happy to do it because it feels very natural and it's a program it's the program that literally changed my life so it's really easy for me to promote it and uh, have a relationship with them and i also have a partnership with wsp which uh, we Uh, agreed on a year ago almost now and uh, this is more of a side side interest that I had about uh, the environmental cost of being an athlete and um, carbon compensating and we agreed on a very cool partnership with WSP so I'm proud of that as well. So I want to double down on this uh, that was one of the question in kind of the intro we had together it's you want to be a, a carbon neutral athlete and you probably are amongst the very few worldwide, I think. I mean, that's the first time that I read about this. So how does it work? I know the, w, the WSP, sorry, the company. What What is it really about and how is that uh, achieved and what does that mean? Well, so it's a, like a three-phase program. The first phase of the program is quantifying all of my emissions. So right now, this is what we're doing. Every month, I sent a, I sent a report on like, I had to go to this competition. Here's how many kilometers it was. Um, here is how we went from the hotel to the hill. Um, here's where we stayed. You know, there's like so many parameters that I send every month and we're quantifying how many Uh, tons of CO2 that emits into the atmosphere. Second phase is um, how can we reduce that? So what are the ways that as an athlete, I want to do every World Cup? Um, it's important for me because it's, I mean, it's my life. It's what I do and it's my passion. Uh, how can we still reduce some of the environmental costs? And then the third phase is we compensate what cannot be removed from my uh travels let's say so they already have um, the contacts to do carbon compensating they already do it for clients so the easiest example is like plant a tree mm -hmm. this is going to remove some co2 from the atmosphere this is the easiest example there's many ways to do it and uh, you invest money in some of those firms and companies that do comp carbon compensating and then they remove from the atmosphere what you uh, emitted Um, it's a solution that works. It, I mean, of course, it's not a solution that is accessible to everyone and that is the best, but it's the best I have for now. Mm -hmm. Okay, and have you... Uh, so who found who? Uh, did you find WSP or did WSP contact you or was it through, through a contact? I think it's an amazing initiative. And again, it's the first time that I read about it. And are there other athletes that you know that are looking towards that direction? Well, uh, for my contact with WSP, I knew someone working at WSP and I have been wanting to get in contact with them for a while. And after the Olympics, um, they gave me the opportunity to give a conference to the board of directors of the science and uh, earth science and environment department. Nice. So that was stressful. <laughs> But I gave my conference and they really liked what I brought to the table and They really liked my energy as well. So after that, I was able to start uh, actually building uh, a project together. So that's how it started. So I contacted them and then they gave me the opportunity to sell myself kind of. That's and awesome. it worked. So I'm really grateful um, that they agreed to work with me. And then I know there is many initiatives of athletes wanting to make efforts. Uh, there's a, a US 
ski team skier that uh, sent an open letter to FIS to how she gave uh, options and solutions to reduce the carbon emissions of FIS. For example, put a calendar of World Cups that doesn't make us cross the ocean three times a winter. Mm -hmm. This is just an example. And uh, I've helped her and many helped her spread the letter so as many FIS athletes would sign it. So there's... Sorry to catch you. FIS is the international... Fédération Internationale de Ski. So this International Skiing Federation. All right. But uh, yeah, so there's initiatives like this. Um, I'm very lucky to be able to be able to do carbon offsetting. I think that's not something everybody has the opportunity to do. So I don't know anyone else that does it for now, but I know there's people taking steps towards mm-hmm. being more environmentally friendly. Yeah, and at the end of the day, what it takes from you is actually recording the stuff that you do. But other after that, it's your sponsor that will do what they can to uh, you know offset and everything. So it's it's just a win-win-win for everybody. And it's amazing that you're, first of all, that you're one of the first and being so young, it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty insane. So congrats, congrats <laughs> on that. And like I said before, since uh, we, we both are in that world of like sustainability, it's uh, really strikes on me so uh yeah big congrats um on that thank you and so that's one of your many side stuff the other one is uh being a student here at concordia you mentioned it a bit um when did you start when you think you'll finish and i guess it's for you because you're you have a well your you are sorry a well-rounded well-spoken person i guess you have also already ideas of what you'll do once your career is over uh, yeah, what's what's kind of your thought uh, on that, and what what are the the goals with those studies? And it's aerospace, uh, yes. if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, if you wanna explain. Um, I started studying aerospace engineering in uh, January 2021, so it's now been two years. Um, I I don't know how it happened really. I did a lot of science fairs when I was in high school. That was my thing, and I met. Uh, uh, PhD students in physics that helped me do my last project uh, as a science fair high school uh, participant and um, I knew I wanted to work in physics or like applied science after that I really really loved that project and he made he showed me stuff that I thought were so cool so I knew I wanted to work in applied physics and then I I don't know I just really love the space industry I think it's something that uh, is it's pretty abstract for some people but it's so inspiring i just find it really inspiring and i just find it uh, that it has like technical challenges that are so big but so interesting at the same time so i was also very interested in the space industry so the mix of both was really aerospace engineering for me that was like um natural i feel like so i started yeah two years ago and uh, as i'm a full-time athlete and i travel a lot uh, of course, skiing is operating right now, so I'm like really focused on skiing. But uh, I take my time to still be in my books. You know, I do maths, physics, uh, coding right now. It's like all of these things that I really love doing and they stimulate a, like a completely different part of my brain, I feel like. And it just... Um, I really like to have something on the side too. Sometimes, you know, when I'm tired of one, I go to the other and I keep like the balance. And then I don't know when I'll finish. We'll see how life goes. You know, so many things can happen. But I plan on finishing it. Um, I don't know, 2027, 2028. 
I'll see. I'm not in a rush, you know. I'm mm -hmm. living my career as an athlete right now, and I love it. It's really important for me to stay in school as well. So it's going to take as much time as it needs, but I'm going to do it well. That's something that mm -hmm. I told myself. I want to not necessarily have a big, a lot of courses, but the ones I do, I want to do it very, very well. And I'm happy that that's what's been happening. Like I'm doing well in school, even if I take a lower courses, courses charge. And uh, what I want to do with that <laughs> I don't know. There's so many things I could do, but um, I mean, I being an astronaut most likely or something like that. No, I don't want to <laughs> be an astronaut. Maybe send astronauts. I don't know. I I of course want to work in the space industry, um, like the Canadian Space in Agency or like GPL is so cool. <laughs> but the the these are very distant distant like dreams of mine we'll see uh, where i end up but i would like to be involved in like space missions okay. one day that well, would it took goal. you four years to go from starting aerial skiing to get to the olympics which is probably the pinnacle of what a sports person can do so i guess you'll get to csa or whatever if you uh, if you want to i mean that's, I'll see. that's just my bet i'll put a, a couple dollars on it <laughs> <laughs> i would bet on I'm that i'm <laughs> one year at a time but it's really cool because i've been meeting a lot of people even through my engineering studies even if i'm not on campus all the time well almost never but uh i've been meeting very interesting people that made me want to pursue engineering even more like sometimes it's teachers sometimes it's just Uh, on events I meet people and I've become almost a, um, not a spokesperson but kind of I give visibility to women in, in engineering as well and I've been meeting people through that door as well and all of this motivates me even more to pursue that side passion that's gonna become my main passion one day mm -hmm. but for now I'm just taking a detour because I love skiing <laughs> well you have I mean you have to you have to do it you're yes. you're good at it and you're, <laughs> guess you're, you're passionate about it um So you ski at a, you still say an amateur, but at a professional level, at the highest level in the world, you have world medals, Olympic medals, um, you study aerospace engineering, so you'll be some kind of an astronaut, you're carbon neutral, so you care about sustainability, you have side projects, which we can discuss, do you have any flaws? Oh, yes. Cause, no, because <laughs> I, I just want people to see that you're a normal person also, so I just want don't, don't want to put you on the spot. But you have to you have to give us a couple of flaws, otherwise everybody's gonna be jealous. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you look at it from the outside, it looks like wow, like she's got it all. But like, it takes a lot of work. And just yesterday, like, I almost cried doing my coding homework. <laughs> just, I mean, I'm as flawed as everyone else. Like, I mean, I'm sometimes. I think I'm very. Uh, I demand a lot of on of myself, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And sometimes I put the same exigence that's not a word um, <laughs> the pressure? same pressure or the i expect the same of other people sometimes i kind of know what you mean <laughs> yeah and that can be a flaw for me because sometimes i don't understand why they're not as invested as i am in stuff so sometimes like working with me can be very demanding for that reason but I, i'm also chill like i'm also fun <laughs> yeah you look <laughs> but, chill But yeah, so that's something. And also like, uh, since I have a lot of things going on, I am learning right now to like prioritize because uh, I cannot do everything. And it's hard to say no to amazing opportunities because I have really cool opportunities because I feel like I put myself out there a lot. 
and that attracts people and it's great that's what i want and then all these people they say oh you can do this work with me do this and i'm like yes 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 i want to do everything but then i can't so i rather say no than not honor my engagement mm -hmm. so i'm learning to say no right now too so that's something that i'm struggling with so that's also a flaw <laughs> that, no that these are good ones and actually yeah. we look a lot uh alike yeah um, <laughs> except from the fact that i don't have a an olympic level in sports uh but i i feel those those flaws which can be also sometimes hard for people close to you to see like how much you want to reach the top and some people are just okay with you know a certain level and and having those people trying to overachieve all the time can be uh can be frustrating for those other people so yeah no i th i think i can be a lot <laughs> okay you but don't seem but yeah i think I that there's know. a warrior be behind the smile i don't know <laughs> we gonna, you should ask other people around me i mean I we have a lot of fun too like doing it all and I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it of mm -hmm. course and I'm I don't know I love I love meeting people too and like see where they're coming from come sometimes I feel like since I want to do everything I miss on some things you know like because I'm not on campus I miss all of the student life because I'm studying sometimes I need to study ex instead of like going out or like visiting a city that we're like in Almaty or something and I need to do my homework so I feel like I'm missing out on stuff sometimes and that can be frustrating and can make me f look a little bit like too intense mm -hmm. but it's a balance again yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, so you managed to do your homework when you were like on the competition or do you yeah 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 you're like saying yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> kind of not wanting to say it out loud yeah I can have homework instead of visiting a crazy city Well, I mean, I mean no, I mean, because, because I've seen rigorous. it before. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> like we've, that's what we've, it is. We've been already. Like, if it's the first time, I, I will go see. Okay. Because I love uh, discovering new places. Okay. Um, You mentioned, like you said yesterday, I almost cried because of... Um, <laughs> no, no, but that's... I'm just bouncing back on this because I think it brings up something, uh, a topic that's very important in sports, is mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that you push the boundaries all the time. Uh, is that... And you're super young. Is that something that you already take care of? Do you have like a mental, you know, uh, coach? How do you manage that? Because that pressure, school, family, traveling, competing, training, that probably takes up a lot of space in your mind. Is there, I mean, is that something that you've tackled already? And is that something that you're rigorous about? Or do you feel like because you're young, you still have, you know, the energy and, and you don't focus on that? And you look at me with like huge eyes, so I'm feeling you have a lot of stuff to say about that. No, I mean, you have to take care of it. I, it you cannot, you cannot not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, maybe like I'm young, but like I've been working with a mental coach for four years now and it's been essential. And uh, even like I have, of course, my mental coach with, with who I, I work a lot on different things, different um Whereas like managing my stress in competition managing everything or like managing even sometimes my relationships with people it can be about everything you know everything is interconnected so I I have him for that but it's also an ongoing process for me like uh, I learn a lot about myself through it all and then I can share with my coaches are so helpful for me because they listen a lot to what I have to say Um, and they're there for me and they have lived similar experiences and we are similar people too so they can help me with that 
and I take a lot of time for myself too like I do a lot of things but I've learned that I cannot neglect uh, just taking care of like me mm-hmm. and being an athlete helps so much for that because you have to take care of yourself to be a good athlete you cannot just like oh I have so many things to do I'll skip like uh, training or I'll skip my meditation or I'll skip like sleep, you, <laughs> sleep. Yeah, you can't because you will underperform so I have to take care of my body of my mind and then I, I can do the rest you know so being an athlete actually really helps me find that balance because I see it in my performance so clearly you know mm-hmm. and how much so you mentioned training um winter off season going to the gym all that that's that's the physical part of the sport the the obvious part but what what's the the part of like you said hygiene sleep uh work chill balance and all that and how do you manage that again you said mental coach you have a coach for purely like skiing and jumping but the whole rest like how do you eat how do you you know manage your sleep and all that is that you you and you or you also have like external help and how important do you think that is in your uh, in your performance i mean that's more me but if i need any help i know where to go to um i have someone that helps me with nutrition i have a nutritionist um that follows me like i want to become vegetarian so she helped me uh, find good alternatives for that and she accompanies I don't know she helped me through it all and uh, so I have her for that and otherwise I mean I I don't have an answer to that question I don't know how I do it I just do it make mistakes learn from them Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I do sometimes like I book too many things in one day and I realized it was not possible and I was like okay let's not do that again or like I did like a very intense training before I don't know, like sitting for a long time after. Like, no, I can't do that because I'm going to be more sore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, it's like little things like that. But like, I make the mistakes and then I learn. And I'm like, okay, let's not do it again. And I try to do it better next time. But it's really ongoing. And like, I've been taking care of myself differently than I've been last year and the year before. I think this year I've made a big step in taking care of my body mainly because I have a back injury. And it required a lot of attention and I became like very self-aware of my symptoms, what helped, what didn't help, what made me feel good, what didn't. So now I feel like I'm very aware of how my body is doing and it's very responsive to what I do so I can like test Mm -hmm. things out and see. But I think it's very about being conscious of what's happening in my mind, in my body and then adapting and you mentioned like a, a back injury and your sport, you said you jump 10 to 14 meters high and then you land on yeah soft snow, but still <laughs> it's not water. How do you, how do you manage the stress or, or apprehension? I don't know if it's an English word, but you know, all of this and also the fact that, you know, your body is not, you know, uh, perfect and can have, you know, limitations. How do you make sure you don't break that barrier and you know, your body is ready for every single you know move that you make and all that? I mean, you don't want to jump while having this in the back of your head. When I jump, I don't want to be thinking about injuries, you know, because I cannot go 50% into a jump. You have to go 100%, otherwise it's going to be bad. (laughs) Like either bad looking or bad, like you're going to injure yourself, you know. So you have to be in a mindset of I'm giving everything. So I don't want to be thinking about my injury. So if it's like too much pain, well, I won't jump. 
but that's a hard, a hard call to make. Mm -hmm. uh, this winter has actually been uh, very good, but um, I make sure that I am self-aware enough that I know if I can go jump or not. Mm -hmm. That's mainly the the main thing. Okay. Uh, so what is in your mind? You said pretty much nothing, I guess. When you start a jump, is it just like, do you have some sort of a, you know, a song in your head or this is, I'm going to do this, 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 this. I saw a couple of your videos when you were like uh, rehearsing the, the, the jumps in your head and you're like just, you know, doing moves and all that. What's kind of going through your mind between the moment you get on the, you know, on the top of the hill and the moment you land on your feet? I What? visualize a lot. I visualize a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, every day of the winter and in summer, I see my jumps before I do them. So when I actually am, I am about to go do my jump, I am trying to clear my head and I have like a, like let's say mental technique to like clear my head as much as I can. And then I see the jump one last time in my head and then I go because I just want to repeat the action that I visualized so many times. And in the air, I mean, it goes fast on video, but there's so many things happening through my mind. After my takeoff, I'm going to be like, oh, this was good. This was bad. Oh, we're big. We're small. Like I'm analy analy analyzing my takeoff and my speed. And then I take a decision. And like, how am I going to do my maneuver? Is it going to be arms up, arms down? Am I going to bend my knees or not to obviously want, I want to land on my feet. So then I adjust. And then before landing, there's always this moment of like, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm like, I want to land. Okay, and so that still happens when you're a champion. You still yeah, have that kind of feeling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then like land is like basically everything that's occupying my mind. And then I land and I'm like, wee. <laughs> okay, so it remains pretty basic, right? Oh, wee. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, Woo. Uh, awesome. Um, so we're about 45 minutes in now and you have to drive back to Sherbrooke. So I'm not going to keep you too long. Um, what do you do when you're not, one, skiing, two, studying, three, Um, being carbon neutral and, and working with your sponsors. You said you have other like side hobbies, side hustle and all that. What's uh, what's the Marion that we don't see on TV and we don't see at Concordia? Well, I really love the outdoors. So I go climbing, I go skiing, um, I go hiking. That's really something I really love. And also I spend time with my family and friends and I just... Yeah, catch up with them. It's made a lot of catch up. I was like, hey, I haven't seen you in four months. How mm -hmm. have you been doing? So, yeah, I really love being outdoors. That's something I spend a lot of time doing and um, spending time with close ones. I think if I'm not doing all of that, I'm also involved in like Protect Our Winters and I do like engineering competitions like today on the side. I don't know. Just some things are popping up here and there. But mainly if I have nothing planned, which never happens, but whatever. If I like have free time, I will go outside. I'll go play outside. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Uh, do you have, because you travel so much, you train so much in like the US and all that, do you have a home, a place you call home? Or do you go back to your parents because it's just uh, convenient when you're here in Quebec? I do have a place I call okay. home in Stona. Okay. Oh, so yeah, you mentioned it. I really, really love being home. Um, it doesn't happen often, but it's a very cool feeling to like come home to a place that I feel like almost my stuff in there because when I started uh, I was living like I was just renting places to wherever I went mm -hmm. but my stuff was spread like to my mom's place my dad's place the place I rented last year and then like I was all over 
the province of Quebec. Mm-hmm. So I gathered everything in Suriname and this is my home and yeah. Okay. Okay. So how many days a year do you spend at this place in Stoneham? Well, last year I was there, let's say in 2022, um, I, I was there for uh, maybe two months. Wow. In total, you mean like 60 days over the whole course of the year? Yeah, maybe a bit more. Okay. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. Well, still, maybe uh, three months. Well, still. <laughs> three months. <laughs> it's pretty insane schedule. Yeah, but maybe this year will be more. Like, it depends on every year. It depends on our schedule. It depends on our training center. Like, when we're going to have a training center in Quebec, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see. Where in Quebec would it be? Uh, in Lac Beauport, at Le Relais. Okay. That's uh, our training center. Okay, very cool. All right, so now I have a few... Uh, less sport related question but i have a question that i like to ask usually but it works for people who are 30 years old uh, and i say when you what would be the advice you would give to the marion when you first started uh ski jumping aerial uh, skiing but for you it's just four five years ago so it doesn't really uh work but let's say what let's just still ask that question what advice would you give yourself if you could talk to yourself about five years ago when you did your first first jump into the into the pool um i mean something i discovered this year that i could tell her is don't stress that much (laughs) (laughs) like you'll be fine (laughs) because i don't know i would really wanted to perform very well in everything that i do and i'm still like this but i think Sometimes uh, it was a bit overwhelming of like, I really want to perform well at school and in ski. So sometimes I had a hard time managing both. And it, it led some like some moments where I was like, I want to quit everything. This is too much. So um, I would tell her that she's capable. <laughs> okay. And enjoy the, the journey, not just the destination. Because, you know, if you, fi- if yeah. you have high objectives and you don't reach them all the time then it's kind of you know bumming so you have yeah. to enjoy i mean you're 22 i years. feel like i've enjoyed it okay, i feel like I, good... i've i really enjoyed the past five years like i really did so i'm i'm glad i, I don't know i would just tell her to keep going she's doing great <laughs> she is she is she's doing pretty okay <laughs> um what would be for you a, what would you consider success in the next two years Success for me yeah. in the next two years? Well, I'll be able to land triples and compete them well. And also being able to code better than I do right now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and I don't know, finding my balance too. It's like an ongoing process. But yeah, being able to find a good balance between um, skiing and school and projects and relationships and everything. And win a World Cup. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if I do that, I'll win, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's the basics that I need to... Like, the medal is a byproduct. It's not the the main thing. Okay. Um, if you were to give your mic to uh, another athlete that you know, uh, who would that be? Mm, from any country? Anyone that you might know also <laughs> not michael jordan or <laughs> yeah uh, i mean that i want to hear from and that you think has a nice story to tell here on the podcast. yeah i mean i really love uh, laura peel i'm competing against her she's from australia and she really inspires me on a daily basis but 
um for this podcast i would recommend i have like so many names popping into my head but i don't know which one okay well, well i will tell about uh, you can give five names if you want otherwise we can uh, talk about that off uh, off record <laughs> if you don't want to <laughs> be put on the spot and you're like oh damn i gave her a name and she doesn't want to <laughs> that's fine <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know i would um uh, somebody that i would give it to kim Boutin. okay Okay, so we'll be in touch with her, I guess. Yeah. Um, since I started that podcast, which is not that long ago, like I said, I want to build a wall of fame. It's like a hall of fame, but on my wall at my place. <laughs> <laughs> is there any, whatever, uh, a bib or any gear uh, that you could sign and I could put on my wall of fame? I don't know what a ski, it won't be a ski, it won't be a helmet, but whatever I have, I have lots mind, of bibs at home. Whatever comes and to mind. Well, uh, <laughs> it's funny because at first, like, I wanted to keep them. I was like, oh my God, they're my World Cup bibs. But now I've realized how much joy they bring to other people. Like in Switzerland, <laughs> there were, uh, I had my bib and there was this little girl and there was like a school coming and all the Swiss team was giving their bibs. Mm -hmm. And then there was this little girl, she didn't have her bib because like, well, they ran out and she came to me and she was like can i have your bib she was like all shy and i was like of course and then she was running around with it all happy i was like yeah you deserve it so yeah you can have my bib sorry uh, i uh, went uh, off no no no. <laughs> I, i can actually picture myself running around with your bib. Like, yeah i got it i got it i got it so yeah awesome <laughs> that would be great um where should the listeners follow you and maybe that's the question i wanted to ask how is your image like you know public image important to you And we kind of go back into deep questions, but it's, <laughs> let's say, the last question. And where should people follow you um, if they think you're uh, you're as amazing as I think you are? Uh, they should follow me on Instagram. That's where I keep my life updates, at Marion Teno. It's probably going to be written somewhere. Um, it will. And my public image, I mean, it's important because I want to share the values that are important for me. So I want to be able to represent what I care about well. So the effort I put in what I share is very conscious of like, what do I want to share as values? So it's pretty important for me just because I want to, I want to use what I, my platform, let's say, to spread good things and yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Marion. You gave me so much, uh, motivation i thought i worked hard to get to my uh what i want to reach uh i think you do more uh, so i can do more too so thank you for the inspiration uh, i hope the people that will listen will also uh, like it uh any last word otherwise i'll let you go back to uh, sherbrooke because it's a long drive <laughs> well thank you thank you so much and uh, keep going you seem to be uh, doing very well with the podcast and stuff so awesome thank you so much marion bye 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 If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life! <laughs>